The men and women leading the 21 sports at Campbell University have helped build and guide the Fighting Camels to one of their best years ever. They are talented and hardworking, and most importantly, great people. The kind of people you'd love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Unfortunately, in this 10-second soundbite world we live in, we mainly only get coaches talking about how they won, why they lost, and what's next. This podcast tries to remedy that with two cups of coffee and a recorder. I'm Chris Amire, and this is Coffee with Coaches. In 1993, Dustin Fonder was the Division III National Soccer Player of the Year, leading Roanoke College to a 20-4 record, taking his team all the way to the national quarterfinals. A day after his soccer team's elimination, he played his first basketball game of the season as the starting point guard for Roanoke. That season, he led his basketball team to a 26-2 record and an NCAA tournament berth. At the time of his induction into the Roanoke College Hall of Fame in 2006, he held single-season Roanoke soccer records for assists, goals, and scoring, and the career record in assists. On the basketball side, yep, you guessed it, He's the single-season record holder for assists. Dustin Fonder is the men's soccer coach at Campbell University, assisting once again, this time to help rebuild a program with a proud history. Well, Coach, you know coffee to start this coffee with coaches, so tell me how you keep going with having to be up and do what you do every day. Uh, unfortunately, a heavy dose of Diet Coke. Um, I've tried to back down on those though and then switch over to vitamin water, which has been a little, little healthier on the system. Coach, um, let's start way back when, when, when you were a kid. Uh, How did you fall in love with sports? Just enjoyed playing them. Uh, enjoyed going out and playing in the backyard and, and playing pickup sports all over the neighborhood and just was always passionate about lots of, lots of sports and then come inside after playing and watch them on TV and just, you know, really uh, got a lot of joy from it. It wasn't always soccer for you, too. Uh, you played a lot of sports and a couple very well, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I liked everything. I mean, I enjoyed soccer, tennis, basketball, you know, a variety of sports. But uh, as I got older and you have to kind of start to specify which one you're going to, what path you're going to go down, I kind of did the, the basketball and soccer route and never went down to just one, kind of tried to keep those two alive as long as I could. And it was really interesting for you going to Roanoke College at a Division three school. You were able to dabble in a little bit of both, weren't you? Yeah, I was able to play both at the college level, which is a really unique experience to play two sports at college. I think it's uh, done less and less nowadays, but uh, you know, I came up in a time when it was still being done, so it was, it was good for me. I mean, when you play one sport at the collegiate level, you have no free time. Tell me about that experience playing both basketball and soccer. It was awesome. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, you know, work, play under two distinct different coaching styles as you're playing, you know, different coaches in different sports. So for me, ended up ending up in the coaching world, it was great because I got to see a lot more by doing a lot more. What position did you play in, in basketball? Uh, point guard. Always a point guard throughout, uh, throughout my youth career all the way through college. That was kind of my natural position. And how did that translate to you as a soccer player? Good because I was I was typically either a midfielder or a forward, attacking midfielder in soccer. So you know both of those positions kind of run the team, you know, or, or the engine of the team. So I think it, it helped playing that leadership position in basketball and then that leadership uh, position in soccer, um, especially getting into coaching because I think you start to see the game more like a coach with nothing less like a player. How do you think now that, as you said, it's even more so now where you really have to specify and a lot of the youth sports, you play one sport as soon as you're 10 or, or 11. Do you think that hurts the modern athlete? 
Yeah, I'm, I, I think it definitely hurts. I think the more we can have kids doing multiple sports, the better college athlete you're going to get in the end because he's going to pick up something from each step along the way and be a, a more uh, filled out player when it gets to you. I think there's lessons to be learned. You know, from basketball, it can carry a direct correlation to soccer, moving your feet, not fouling, you know, things like that are universal in, in all the sports. So I think the more you can play as a youth multiple sports, the more prepared you'll be to be good at one at the end. You were very good at both basketball and soccer, but uh, in your college career, one year you were the Division Three Player of the Year, the best player picked in the entire nation. What was special about that year when you think about it? Um, you know, it's always team first. It was the furthest the team had ever gone and went to you know the national tournament and won games and advanced and got to go on that awesome ride You know that ended unfortunately out at UC San Diego in four overtimes and you know, remember like it was yesterday, the pain of losing that game, you know, when you're that close to a national championship. But then the individual individual accolades always follow, and I was fortunate enough to be chosen the, the top player in the country that year, which was exciting for me and my family. But, you know, it was a team journey that got us there. So four, four overtimes, was that semifinals, finals? That it was quarterfinals um, oh away gosh. to San Diego, you know, probably two dead-even teams. They went on to win the national championship comfortably after that, so that was kind of the the game on the bracket that everyone said the winner of this game will probably take it all, and we fell just short of, of taking it all. So, lessons learned. What do your legs feel like after a four-overtime game? You know, the craziest part about that story is we took a red-eye back after the game playing in California, and the basketball team had already started. I had a game the, the day we arrived, and the coach said, you know, we're going to let you act, you know, ease back in, maybe take a few days off. And, uh, but he said, I want you to dress out anyways dressed out for the game team we played decided to switch their whole game plan and go full court pressure and so he's like you're in you need to break the press and so you know I hadn't been even practicing with the team or anything but my job was to get it over the half court line every time make sure we have in possession of the ball and let the guys do it from there because I didn't even know all the plays at that point you know I hadn't been in the regular rotation but just so happened the day we got back we played a team that was a high you know pressure team and and needed a point guard to bring over the line so didn't even get a day's break do you remember if you won that game slash what was your stat line from that honestly I remember it clear Uh, we, we won the game by about 20 points the, the, quote, the quote in the, the article in the paper the next day was, we didn't think the point guard would play. You know, we wanted to press him. He ends up breaking the press, difference in the game. So I ended up getting a lot of credit for it, and all I did was bring the ball up. But I don't know if I scored a point, but I know uh, I got it over the over the half-court line in possession every time and, and gave our t- a chance to the team to have uh, extra possession. Coach, do you ever let your student-athletes in on the fact that you were uh, such a super-athlete back in your day? I don't. I mean, I think you know, the, the internet these days, they can figure stuff out on their own, but that, that's not the important part, part when you're a coach. It's, it's being a leader of this group and getting them ready for the season at hand, the task at hand. So my job is more to be the figurehead of, the, of our group and, and lead them you know, from a from coaching standpoint. What was Roanoke College like? A beautiful area up there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, really pretty. It's in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Beautiful setting. Um, brick buildings like here at Campbell, you know, really nice aesthetics um, and very high-level athletics for that division. I mean, you know, one of the, they've won national championships in multiple sports, so it's, it's a competitive athletic school, but a really good education as well, so, you know, I, I enjoyed it there. After your athletic career ended in college, it wasn't the end for you. You played soccer professionally. Tell me about that journey. It, once again, you know, I think, unfortunately, when I came out as a soccer player, the, the United States hadn't really fully grasp professional soccer yet. I wish MLS would have been available when I came out because that would have been an incredible uh, journey to go on, you know, but uh, that when I came out, there was still kind of, everything was kind of semi-pro and, 
you know, mixed bag of different divisions. There was an indoor league, the MPSL. There was an outdoor league, the USL. It was called the USISL at the time, but now it's the USL as we know it today. And it was really high level. There was a lot of great players in those leagues, but it was more for the love of the game. You know, a lot of it was, I would compare it to uh, minor league baseball now. You know, spending long times on bus rides to go play in obscure places and in high school stadiums and things, but it was still a chance to play beyond college. And, and I think it was that those experiences uh, are invaluable today. Um, after your professional career, you started down the path of uh, coaching. Was it something you always knew you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to be a coach. When I went to college, I said, you know, I'm going to take athletics as far as I can, and then the minute I can't play anymore, I want to get into coaching and, and helping people because so many people helped me along the way. It was kind of my way of wanting to, to give back that awesome experience that, that I had. How did your coaching career begin, and, and how has that path led you here to Campbell? It's interesting. It began immediately. Um, I actually took my first ever coaching job right out of college at Radford in the Big South. Wow. I was I was the top assistant at Radford at 21 years old. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so I and I was kind of more of a player coach. I jumped in all the sessions. I played a lot. I had fun. I was more uh, friendly with the guys than, than you would be normally as a coach now as you're older and wiser. But, but it was a really good experience. Um, I took the job knowing, though, Spencer Smith, who's the women's coach at Winthrop now was the men's coach at Radford at the time. I was fortunate enough that he hired me, uh, introduced me to the coaching world. But we had talked before I even took the job that if I had a chance to go play, that's what I wanted to do. When you can still play, you, you want to get out and play. So as soon as the season ended, um, we played Virginia Tech in the last regular season match that year. I went to the game with my car packed, and um, the game ended. And the final whistle, I drove to Ohio to start playing for the Canton Invaders of the uh, MPSL. Wow. Um and then your coaching career leads you to High Point uh, in, in the Big South where you had a big success. What was what was that like, being the head coach? It was great. It was my first opportunity to ever be a head coach. You know, I'd, I'd been an assistant for a while. Um, I went, when I got back, done playing finally, so after the stint at Radford, I went off and played and did some other things and really enjoyed those years. And then when I got back and really wanted to be focused on coaching, I was hired at my alma mater. Um, I did both men's and women's, so I was getting to coach lots of sessions on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and go to a lot of games, you know, so instead of playing a 20-game schedule, I was getting to see 40 games in a fall because I'm going to both the men's and the women's games, so it was a good experience that way. I think it helped uh, speed things up for my development, um, and after some success there, I knew Division One was the, the end goal for me, so I got the opportunity to be the assistant at Elon University. I went to Elon, and Elon wasn't what it is today. It wasn't a, a well-known soccer power. It was kind of a school on the rise from um, in all aspects, and uh, worked with Darren Powell, who's now the San Antonio pro coach. He was the head coach at the time. We worked together and were able to have some really good success at Elon. And I think that success is what was able to get the door open for me to get a head coaching job at High Point. And then at High Point, I got to you know cut my own teeth and, 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 and try things on my own. And we were fortunate enough to win some championships and win a lot of games and have a lot of fantastic players there that went on to play pro. And you know, so that kind of cemented my my legitimacy in the Big South. And then when Bob came with the opportunity to come to Campbell and take on yet another challenge. You know, it seems like every job I've had, I've had to take it when it's at a point that's not good and bring it to somewhere good. Um, it was kind of an opportunity that really was appealing. It was it was uh, a chance to take Campbell and see how far we can take Campbell. I mean, you were you were established at High Point. You, you mentioned this, but you win championships. You're sending guys to the to the MLS year after year, but ranked in the top 25 uh, in the nation. So why come to Campbell? Why make the move? I thought, you know, for a variety of reasons, we were starting to hit our ceiling. Um, we had done the, the things you mentioned, but there wasn't a breakthrough. I didn't see a breakthrough going any further. Well, I didn't see us taking 
top 25 and making it a permanent top 10. And just I felt like we were buttoned up against the ceiling because we had done everything we could to get to where we were. Um, and I think when Bob laid out his long-term vision here at Campbell, there was that ability to get even further. And, and so I thought I may have to start with a, a, a lesser product to start with, but the end goal could be a lot further. So I think it took this as a big challenge. It was a bit of a leap of faith, though, for my, my, myself, my wife, and my kids because we went from being established and you kind of could set your watch that we were going to win 10 games every year and finish somewhere in the one, two, or three to, okay, here's a project. How, how quickly can we turn this thing and get it going in the right direction? What's been the hardest part of uh, coming here to this program and, and starting the turnaround? Um, anytime you go to a program that hasn't had success recently, Campbell's long-term success in men's soccer is very good. It's a great tradition, some some great teams here, but there there was a lull in the program, and when you follow that that lull for whatever reason it is, it's hard to get the belief back. I mean, culture is king in our in, in all sports, and we got to get the culture here to be one of winning and excellence, and um, that's the that's the hardest thing to build. You can go out and recruit players. You can go out and change the style of play. You can do all these things, but if you don't get the culture right and the belief right, guys got to step on the field thinking they're going to win. And when you're coming from a culture of losing, that's the hardest thing to change. I know you've already uh, had a big part in changing how this building looks. We're sitting in a soccer office that that, that wasn't here before you came. You look out at the uh, at the beautiful side of the stadium that they've built. Uh, so a lot of cosmetic changes here. Yeah, uh, fortunate. We get such great support around here. Uh, Mr. Roberts and, and Bob uh, Roller, we got together and we all kind of put our heads together and brainstormed and came up with a, a way of enhancing soccer but not you know breaking the bank either. We were able to repurpose this building and uh, put some drywall up here and some drywall there where we didn't have to you know, tear the building down and rebuild it. We were able to kind of rehab it and we were able now to come up with a conference room and a study hall room for the guys, a film room, our own personalized locker room different coaching suites and offices so we've taken the same building and just really repurposed it and it looks awesome and we couldn't be you know we're really pleased with that and then outside we kind of attacked the the field as a as a kind of a it was a threefold kind of attack let's get the building right because that's going to help us with recruits that's going to help make our guys feel better uh, step two was to get a press box some dugouts and really dress up that side of the stadium and then step three the biggest one and the one that we're still working towards is to get a stadium on the hillside because we think once we get that, then we can have one of the nicer facilities in the, in the league. Coach, uh, you're recruiting that has always been, as you know, a big part of coaching and success. You've come here and not only recruiting all over the nation, but recruiting all over the world. How do you get a, a kid to come here from Africa, from Europe, from South America? You know, one, you build connections up over time. So we try to tap into the people we know in those different areas that we can trust and know the level and can send us the right kid or recommend the right kid that we can then go watch. And then, two, we got to log some miles. You know, I think my staff is, is great. Jeremy and Tom are willing to go anywhere at any time. I'm the same. You know, so between the three of us, we try to go out and see everyone play before we before we actually offer them. You know, that's not always the case, but that's, our, that's, that's how we like to do it. So we'll make trips. We always start, you know, locally. I think when you build a program, we want to know the state of North Carolina inside now because you know those kids best. Then we try to go regionally, and then we try to go nationally, and then our last step is to go internationally. It's kind of our philosophy. So I think as we're here longer and longer, you'll probably see less of, inter- less of an international flair because I think we'll be getting better and better Americans. But we want to always have a healthy balance of both, too, because I think it's great for the locker room. I think an American kid can learn a lesson from a, a Spanish kid, and a Spanish kid can learn a lesson from a German kid. And I think that's neat, too, about the educational piece. It's not just all about soccer. It's what we can, how we develop these young men. This is just year three of, of your tenure here. How is it going, this step in rebuilding this program where you thought it would be behind forward where are you at right now 
We we are um, in a good place right now. I think this is the first year we kind of say that we can now see the, the bricks being laid. The foundation is finally setting, and now we can take off from here. I thought it took us a little longer to get here than I would hoped, um, but you know I, I get why we're where we are too. When we accepted the position, our staff we just basically coached the first year. We didn't do have any impact on the team. We just came in and coached, and I thought it was great because we got that instant belief that any new uh, leader will get. And so we got some good results. We overachieved a bit, but I think it was a bit misleading because then the next year you've missed a recruiting cycle, so you're really recruiting for the following year, which is this year. So we kind of took it on the chin last year, waiting, and then getting our guys this year, and then now this is the group that we want to build off of and then build for the future. But along the way, the guys that were already here have been great. They've adjusted, and they've, they've been very helpful and, and helped us win a lot of games up to this point. But I think it's only going to start getting better from here because these are some guys that we, we were able to spend a year recruiting and hopefully get getting it right. Um, your family, I know, a big part of your life. Uh, tell me about them. Yeah, um, my wife is actually from Roanoke, Virginia. So, so met her in my time in Roanoke, um, which is great. Her family still lives there, so we're able to get back there quite often for holidays and stuff, which is great because I, I love it there. She loves it there, so it's it's cool that we have the same kind of place to get away to. Um, got a daughter who's eight, Dakota. She's she's a uh, Big fan of Campbell Sports. She loves all the athletics here, but uh, her her main thing she's she's not big into playing them. She's big into watching them and supporting them. She she'd much rather be a cheerleader than a than a than a player, which is great. I think that's awesome. And so, but I enjoy bringing her stuff because she gets really excited about coming out to games. And you know, I'll come home after a game and she want to know why we lost. And so she she's pretty into it. it reminds me uh, the daughter and remember the Titans. She's yeah, kinda got, she kind of got that that aspect to her. Um, my son's too. Couldn't be the opposite. Anytime he sees the ball, he's ready to play. He's ready to play all day, every day. His name's Declan. Um, he turns two next week, so it's exciting times. Well, Coach, thank you very much for the time. Thank you.